Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. If you'll open your Bibles or an app, or it will be on the screen as well, we'll read from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee toward Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare, went on board to go with them towards Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So good morning to everybody here and everybody watching online as well. I'm Evan Duncan, your new senior pastor. And it's a joy to be with you. We have been anticipating this day for a while now. And I'm wondering, as I've been wondering these days coming up to today, where do you think God may take us together? Perhaps we have ideas or images of what we might assume or think, pictures that we might have for for what a pastor should be like, or what a church should be like, or what Christians should be like. And those may be helpful and right on images. But I would hope that as we begin this journey together, we might stop to reimagine, to reexamine, to look inward a bit and reflect. It's always good to reflect and ask, where are we going? It might be hard to think about where we might be going. You might have a hard time sensing direction in your life or sensing directions at all. I took a wrong turn on the way here this morning. I'll figure it out. I promise. Not today. Perhaps as you think about the church these days, you think, where do we go from here? You see the data about declining church memberships. You think, should we just pack it all in? I'm grateful that you didn't over the last two and a half years. And today we get to imagine what's next. Together, I think we might discover that God can still surprise us that he continues to work. But as he works, he may upset some of our images or some of the things that we expected or imagined. And so today, we're going to look at the book of Jonah. We're going to spend the next four Sundays working through this little four-chapter book in the Old Testament called Jonah. And I'm sure you're familiar with Jonah, at least parts of it. If you grew up in church, you definitely know Something about a fish, right? Even if you didn't, you still probably know something, a guy gets eaten by a fish. Well, we're going to take some time to dig into this text together. And I think we'll find that maybe what we assume about Jonah, well, there's more to it. Maybe as we look at it, not as children, but as adults, there'll be things we discover that we hadn't seen before. Uh, On our way up to come to, to Westchester, Uh, It was a long drive, and we stayed for about a week at my wife's grandma's house in West Virginia, and she's not there very often, so it's an empty house. We could stay out for a week. It was wonderful, Uh, but it doesn't have internet, and she has a VCR, 
with like VHS tapes. And she had a box of like McDonald's toys that were as old as my wife and I, which was pretty neat to experience with our kids because we saw these things that we recognized from our childhood. Now we saw them with new adult eyes and shared them with our kids. We also watched movies that we hadn't seen once I figured out how VCR works again. It took me a minute. Once we figured that out, we experienced these movies that we had watched as kids, but now we brought new, fresh perspectives. You've probably experienced that. Something you remember maybe fondly as a kid, and then you look at it as an adult, and you think, oh, <laughs> this is different. Jonah can be one of those stories, a favorite of vacation Bible schools. In fact, this is the story that became the Veggie Tale movie, right? It is the ultimate kid's story in the Bible, but there is a richness here that I'm afraid we might have missed. When asked why certain stories like this one become the ones we tell our kids at summer camps, the writer Frederick Buechner said, it's not, I think, because children particularly want to read stories like Jonah, but more because their elders particularly do not want to read them. At least they do not want to read it for what it actually says, so they make it a fairy tale so they don't have to take it seriously. We're going to take it seriously. So yes, in this series, we'll see that you can't run from God, but I think we'll also discover that the God who loved Jonah and the sailors we're about to meet and the people of Nineveh and loves each of us is not just a God that you shouldn't run from. It's a God worth running to. So I want to read again Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once towards Nineveh, that great city. Cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah said out, to flee towards Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going towards Tarshish, paid his fare, went on board, went with them towards Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was already a notorious prophet. He had supported one of the kings of Israel that was known as a pretty bad king. He had a bit of a reputation. And God tells this prophet, go to this city, Nineveh, speaking of reputation. Consider the worst of the worst. If you were to make a cartoon of an enemy, the Ninevites would be that cartoon for these people. God says, go there. And the text says, but. <laughs> Despite what God said to the prophet, the prophet flees, Tarshish, which is a city in Spain across the sea, it would be the distance most scholars think from if we were to drive from right where we're at here to about Las Vegas. I just drove here from Texas. It took four days with my children and my dog and the trailer. But that's not even as far as Jonah is running. The text says he is running from the very presence of the Lord. We may chuckle at that to think, yeah, good luck. We might think, yeah, not even Las Vegas is outside the presence of the Lord, despite what the ads may tell you about things staying there. And yet... He goes. The text says, even in the original language, not to Tarshish, but towards Tarshish, because he won't make it. <laughs> but that is now the direction of his life. He is going away from God's presence, away from where God is calling him to go. Jonah has heard what he is to do, and he decides, no, I'm not into God's way. He confused his role as a messenger with the role of a judge. 
confuse being a witness with being a sentenced servant. I'm not going to Nineveh. He was not open to where God wanted him to go, so he went away. Where are we headed towards? We know we want to go where God is calling us. Where's that? Can Jonah help us? Let's look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. The sailors were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship, laying down, and was fast asleep. The captain came to him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we will not perish. The storm comes. And we learn about these sailors. Maybe they're overlooked when we think about this story, but we learn about these sailors. They each called to their own God. What does that tell us about these sailors? They have all different kinds of backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, religious backgrounds. The people who were first reading this text would have made all kinds of assumptions about these sailors. We might too. We might think they're worldly or lost. We assume what God may think about them. The first readers likely would have. But they don't have the right background or history. They make assumptions about these sailors. This book will blow up those assumptions. See, they're afraid of the storm. They find Jonah asleep, so caught in his own despair and inability to act. So they wake him up. They say, join in. We're calling on every God we know. Can you call on yours? We don't know if he joins in, but the sailors keep trying to make the situation better. Verse 7, the sailors said to one another, come, let us cast lots. So we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. It's like drawing straws or rolling dice to try to see. Maybe something will tell us what is going on, whose fault this is. The lot fell on Jonah. So they said to him, tell us, why has this calamity come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? And Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. He had told them he was fleeing from their God. He didn't tell them that their God was over everything. <laughs> Good luck. Jonah says, yes, I worship the God of the sea and dry land of everything. In verse 11, they say, well, what shall we do that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. I know it's because of me this great storm has come upon you. Okay, Jonah is an example of what not to do when we're thinking about how we might follow God. He knows he's the problem. But then he makes himself their problem. He doesn't say, we could turn back and go to Nineveh. He doesn't say, I could apologize, ask God for forgiveness. He says, I don't know, just throw me overboard. He doesn't even want to own the problem. He gives it to them. I guess you'll have to throw me over. Good luck. What lengths do we go to try to avoid turning to God when we're in the midst of the storm? As we moved here this week, the plan was that our uh, possessions would arrive last Saturday. We were excited about that. 
Uh, we had been on the road like three weeks. We were ready to have our stuff. Then we found out our possessions were actually going to arrive yesterday. And then yesterday kept happening. And it kept happening. And I kept getting more and more frustrated and calling customer service and saying, where, where are my things? <laughs> they say they'll get here. I don't know. <laughs> now, this is not much of a storm. In the grand scheme of things, this is like three raindrops, but I was frustrated. See, there were things in there that I was hoping would help me for today. And this is a big day, and I would like those things. And so I became more and more stressed and frustrated. And as I was reflecting on that, I remembered this text. <laughs> I got even more frustrated, but this time it was the good kind of frustrated, you know, that, that stretches you and helps you. And it was as if God was saying, why didn't you just turn to me? Remember, it wasn't about you anyway, or how well you could prepare, or what you could do, or what you might wear. I got it. It was never up to you, and if you thought it was, it was going to crash and burn. Just trust me. How do we move forward? As I was praying this morning, I listened to a prayer app every Sunday, and they pray the same prayer every Sunday, and this morning, I heard a line that I had prayed lots of times and never taken in, may the material things be lighter. We want to go towards God. So much gets in the way. We run from God. We don't even trust and turn and pray and rely. We try to solve everything ourselves or make other people solve them for us. Jonah is not an example of what to do, but you know who is? Sailors. Look at verse 13. Nevertheless, Jonah says, throw me overboard. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard. It says they dug into the sea to bring the ship back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Lord, please, we pray. Don't let us perish on account of this man's life. And don't make us guilty for in of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So then they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I love these sailors. You should too. First, they do everything they can to avoid harming Jonah. Right? I might just be like, all right, Jonah, get out of here. But they dig in do everything they can with their actions to prevent harm. They row, they try, they can't overcome the storm, and so they also pray. They pray to the God of Israel, a new God they are just learning about. They pray, Lord, uh, we think this is what we have to do. Don't blame us. And the sailors provide for us an example of how we should run towards God with their actions of justice and care and prayer. These worldly, salty characters who probably swore like, well, sailors, swear an oath to the Lord. The sea stills the moment Jonah goes overboard, and they are in awe of this powerful God. The prophet runs. The sailors become followers of God. God is often subverting our expectations of who might be in with him. 
of where he might be working and who he might use. Maybe God is even saying to you right now, if you feel like you're too far gone, the God who can work in the sailors can work in you. He wants to work in you, to know you, to love you, to show you who you are made to be. The sailors aren't perfect, but they respond. There is much we can learn from the sailors. My wife used to work at a, a nonprofit resource center, provided food and job training and all kinds of things to folks uh, who had found themselves in difficult situations, challenges. And her experience there was, was really life-changing for both of us. And she would talk about how when she got to know these clients, who were coming out of difficult situations, abuse, loss, being taken advantage of, she discovered in them a level of faith that was beyond what she'd often experienced in the church. People who fully relied on God because there was no other option. Who do we rely on? Where are we heading with our lives? This is surprising news already in the book of Jonah that the religious prophet, given a word from God, is totally clueless to what God is doing in the story. But those we never expect teach us what it looks like. <laughs> to move in the direction of the Lord, who live the word of God by their actions and their prayers. One theologian says, Jonah functions in the book of the minor prophets in the Old Testament as a reminder not to attempt to force God into a box. God's grace and compassion are a scandal to Jonah when it's offered to the foreigners. How ironic is it that Jonah's desire to limit God's saving activity from the Ninevites turns out to allow Jonah to serve as an instrument by which others, the sailors, come closer to God. Now, Jonah would be a very short book, but a powerful one if it ended there, teaching us that sometimes those who think of themselves as the most religious have the most baggage and are running away from God, and, and those who might seem the most worldly might be the first to follow God. It might teach us that even when we run, God's grace astounds. But how much more might we see his grace if we say yes? Luckily, the story doesn't end there. Uh, verse 17 says, But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. That's next week. So the sailors show us of, yes, what it looks like to head in the direction of God. But it still can be foggy for us to think, okay, but where is God leading me? I work often with college students, and I get that question all the time, right? What is God's will for my life? How will I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know I'm making the right decision, right? And I wish that God was clearer sometimes. I wish God had said to me several months ago, hey, Evan, go to Westchester. <laughs> oh, easy, problem solved, on my way. And God doesn't often give us direct answers like that to many questions of life. But you know what? We are given direction. We are given somewhere to head towards. A mission to point our lives to. And that is that we might become more and more like the one who shows us what God is like. Jesus. This book invites us to look inward. To see how we all can be Jonas. 
invites us to act and pray and say yes. To know that we do have a direction. And if you were like me or like I was in college, you might say, no, 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 no. I don't want like, okay, be more like Jesus answers. I was asking like, who should I date, right? That's usually who they're asking when they say, what is God's will for my life? They just want to know who to date. We often don't want the answers that we find in the scripture. The, the direction God is calling us to is to surrender our control, our pride, our desires. Jonah just wanted God to give him a life that was easier, more comfortable, made him feel good about the rage he felt towards the Nineveh. He didn't want to confront the darkest corners of his heart. But God isn't interested in letting darkness stay dark. Beekner, who said that thing about children's stories earlier, famously said, the place that God has called you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always always to the end of the age, or how we say it around here at the Baptist Church of Westchester, that we might be transforming lives through Christ by building positive connections in a diverse community. I love that. So we know what he's called us to, at least in the big picture. And we know that the way to follow him is to say yes, with actions and prayer. Jonah is showing us. Showing us what not to do as all those around him show us how good God is. So will you join me in saying yes together? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this church and this people, for what you are doing in this place. I thank you for your love. I thank you that your love reaches to the Ninevite and the sailors and works even in spite of us when we can be like Joan. Help each of us to say yes to what you're calling us to, to how you have wired us and given us passions to say yes to your work in the world to say yes to your scripture, to say yes to prayer, to turn to you, to trust. May we step out on the water together. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.